1: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know, nonstop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Hey everyone, welcome into Purple Daily and Vikings training camp is officially, officially set to begin where media can actually go watch practices and whatnot. This weekend, actually today and then this weekend, but let's first talk about Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated has been standing behind business owners. For over 100 years, and in particular this year during maybe the most difficult year ever to be a business owner. And if you don't feel comfortable with the insurance company that you're with, or if you're just looking for better frontline protection and resources, go to federatedinsurance.com to find a full list of industries they protect and to find more about your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. <laughs> And welcome in Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgat, Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com, Declan Goff producing. And it's like two weeks after the usual training camp start time and date, but here we are. Are you guys fired up for a super weird Vikings training camp? The weirdest maybe ever.
0: Yeah, it feels like the first day of school. Like, I was, I wrote my to do list out last night and like all the things I would need to remember like my fanny pack, my binoculars, my hand sanitizer, my mask, um, a snack to have with you. Like, this is stuff that I usually just like throw in my cubicle at um, TCO. But since we're not allowed to be in the facility this year, it's like, okay, make sure you have everything so you don't forget it. Um, it's just weird. It's August 14th. Usually we've been in like the camp grind for like three and a half weeks now. So it feels a little tardy.
2: So can, can you go watch uh, practice or as you ordinarily can, Courtney? Or, or what's the rule as far as actually observing these uh, fine-tuned athletes taking part in training camp? Yeah.
0: So we're going to find that out today. Um, yeah. It looks like it's going to rain, um, which is interesting. Of because, course it is. So every team does this thing differently. There's like, t- there's tier 2M, which is um those are the people who have to get tested every so often i'm in that tier and i'm technically our pool reporter so if the practice were to go inside i'd have to go inside and take copious notes and then i share it with the rest of the beat but like but the way the vikings are doing it most everybody is in three a which is outside access so i believe you like that's you don't have to get tested a lot of teams are doing it this way some teams are doing it with like having 10 pool reporters the whole thing um it varies team to team but like I think that majority of people are going to be watching from either along that sideline where the two fields that are like facing, I think Vikings drive, if you go like the long way that way, um, and then like along the Lando Lakes thing. So it's like kind of you have this like ninety degree angle. So of course they're gonna put the quarterbacks to the furthest field away. Of
2: course they are.
1: Anything,
2: You're so. not gonna see a thing, exactly.
0: Yeah.
1: I need to circle back to the fanny pack real quick here. Is that a normal part of your repertoire? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like even outside of training camp or Cron- is it just a Cronin training Cronin camp? Thing? Has the it's, fanny it's, pack, a, dude.
0: it's a training. it's a training camp thing for me. I started it back in twenty eighteen. So my first my first Actually, my first Vikings training camp, because when I started on the beat in 17, I came in between that period, like in between the second and third preseason game. So I missed Mankato. I've never actually been to Mankato. Oh, wow. A wild. We we will have to do like a
1: special trip with Courtney down to some of those dive bars on (laughs) campus. You can't Uh,
2: recapture that magic, girls and boys. You you, you
1: haven't lived until you've been sitting there drinking beer at either Bradley's or Boomtown, whatever it was called when we were there, Mm -hmm. and have like six flies sitting on the rim of your beer.
0: Oh God. Yeah, that sounds delightful. Um, but yeah, no, the, the fanny pack, because TCO is so big, it's like running, you know, in normal times, you'd run back and forth in the media room. Oh shoot, I forgot my roster. Oh, I forgot this. So fanny pack, I'm like an athletic trainer, pretty much. <laughs> like, I mean, I've got everything in there from sunscreen to gum to hand sanitizer to pencils. If you need to like write something, you're like, down you're like the
1: I'm, beat writer parent or something. Like if I really I am like the mom of the
0: group, I organize everything. I organize the transcription pool. I organize food. <laughs> and you know what else, Courtney? Room
2: fashion statement too.
0: It is. It's See, a fashion you know statement. It's got. I bought it in the kids section at Target. And it has like sprinkles all over it, rainbow sprinkles, <laughs> and it's got this, like. It's got this banana, which is the zippy tie thing to open it. So I think it looks great.
1: My, uh, my my first ever training camp, I covered the Vikings. Jeb was at Star Tribune. I was at, at the time, KFAN.com from 2007 mm-hmm. through 2009 or 10. And my biggest mistake was, so I shaved my head for the first time in 2010, like in May of that year. And so I, it's just, it's yeah. a convenience thing for me. But that was the first training camp where I was going to be outside for hours and hours a day. And I had never, to that point, had to worry about putting, like, sunscreen on my head. It was, like, not part of my habit for 20 years of life at that point. And so I stood outside for, like, six hours between the three-hour morning session, two hours in the afternoon, and then some other stuff, like, media stuff later. I got home and was, like, I had mild heat stroke in the American hotel room. I had to take a cold bath. My heart was palpitating. Yeah. And my head, like, my head peeled for three weeks after that. Oh, God.
0: Yeah. Always have the sunscreen. I have the spray in my bag. So... If anybody needs it, you know where to find me. The- actually, no, nobody nobody listening will be able to need it and find me because none of you are going to get to <laughs> Not <watch>. now. But, <laughs> Not but, now. None of the fans are going to get to be there. You'll get to watch it on, like, the live stream, though, on Monday, which will be interesting. I saw
2: like. I saw that. They're going to actually show tra- – do people realize that of, of all sporting activities that are considered practice, uh, football practice – is the worst. Like, like baseball yeah. has BP, right? And there's something mm. old school about you know, grandpa used to take me to the ballpark early, and we would watch <laughs> BP, right? Yeah, but that's like a hangout vibe. It's like we're gonna yeah. hang out, gonna hang out of the. But ball hockey and watch some practice, BP, right? basketball. I feel like if if you can watch it, it goes fairly quickly. You know, it, there is nothing worse than the old two a days. On a Sun Bay Godforsaken Mankato football field where everyone is miserable, including the players and the fans. So I've always thought, you know, football practice is the one thing that, that if you don't have to watch it, it'd be my,
1: my quickest opt out football practice. I mean, punting practice to me is invigorating when they just stand I mean, out there last, for 45 minutes.
0: pretty great watching Kari Vedvik do the, uh, you know, the, pun- <laughs> the punting kicking extraordinaire for two and a half weeks.
2: Meltdowns are always fun. <laughs> I will give you that. Meltdowns are always entertaining.
0: So, yeah, the Diggs the digs and Rhodes battles that we saw from the last few years. Remember when they got kicked out of practice last year? Because, like, Diggs burned Rhodes on this corner route and then chucked the ball into the stands. <laughs> like, and they both got kicked out of practice, They're like, gnawing at each other, like, on the way out. And they had to come apologize to us the next day. Like, Zim made them come and apo- like give, like, an apology to the media. It's like, I'm very sorry for my actions yesterday what? that does not reflect my character and who I am. I was like, why are you guys apologizing? It was entertaining.
2: Actually, you know what? <laughs> when it comes to Rhodes, it absolutely reflected what you were about to see in 2019. And, in fact, Zim Zim should have said, you know what? Xavier, come here. This ain't gonna work this year.
1: Are you saying that his apology of uh, it, it, this doesn't this doesn't reflect my character, but it does reflect my coverage for exactly. the upcoming season? This will be exactly
2: who I am when I'm blaming everybody else. This so will mean. be me.
1: So mean. So all right, Courtney. Let's let's throw out two or three of of the biggest camp storylines that you're going to be focused on here in the next seven to ten days or so as camp starts off. Let's start with your what's the top thing that you're most interested in seeing here in the first, let's say, handful of practices.
0: Well, I think obviously cornerback's number one. I want to see where Mike Hughes is starting, like where they're going to put him early in camp, because I think that that's going to be kind of this key cog for everything else um, in determining if if he's at the nickel, which he should be, it would make sense. Does that mean that Holton Hills, you know, your left cornerback and you've got Jeff Gladney as your right, where does – you know, the likes of Cameron Dansler, Harrison Hand, Chris Boyd, where do they fill in? Like what do what are the first and team first and second team units for that group look like? I'm really curious about that one. Um as far as position battles, for me that's the biggest one, but then you can't forget defensive line and, and figuring out, okay, just some of the hints that Adam Zimmer had dropped the other day in the press con and our media availability about like Shamar Stefan playing some nose, even though that kind of was, had been toyed around. It's like, Oh no, he's a three technique. Well, he actually is built more like a nose um, and plays more like a nose. So it's like, are they going to move him around? Who's going to play three technique? Who is going to play a nose tackle? Um, so th- those are, I mean, obviously on the defense, those are my biggest ones. And then, I guess we can start there because I've got other thoughts about, like, you know, other position battles elsewhere. But, yeah, those those two are probably my biggest that I'm looking at, like, especially early on because we haven't seen anything. And also, I want to know where the heck uh, Ezra Cleveland's playing because they said guard. I assume it's right guard with the second team, but we just don't know yet.
1: Well, on the on the cornerback front, this is going to be such a crash course. I mean, as hands-on as Mike Zimmer has been and speaking to Xavier Rhodes, oh, we yeah. all, I mean, we remember – 2014 camp, I think it was, is when Xavier was a rookie. 2014, I want to say. No, it was 13, I think. And then his first year with Zimmer was 14. So 14 was his second year, but Zimmer was like literally spending hours and hours over the course of the two weeks in Mankato in the hip pocket of Xavier Rhodes to try and mold him. And this is like, you didn't have any time to do that with any of these young cornerbacks, mini camps, OTAs all gone. And so Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess if I had to bet, where is Mike Zimmer going to spend the majority of his time? It's probably going to be with the cornerbacks.
0: Even last year I felt like he spent a ton of time because you have to remember Holton Hill, the second suspension came down then. That's when we found out he was going to be spending eight weeks uh, on the suspended list. So he got like relegated to the fourth team defense. So that meant guys like Chris Boyd, where we see him, I think it was Mark Fields at the time who's um, he's actually on the roster now, but he got cut and he came back. Regardless like Chris Boyd. I think that that honestly is what helped him stick on this roster Um, the amount of attention that Zim was spending on this rookie 6th or 7th round corner last year um, I think really helped him take that step. And and typically it's like you're not going to see Zim exert that type of effort on somebody he thinks is is a camp body or somebody that's probably going to get cut. So it should be a good early indication who he's spending his time with, who's probably going to make this roster and fill out that corner backed up.
2: And it's probably going to be, my guess, Courtney, Holton Hill, Gladney, Um, His problem is, here's what I don't get about a veteran corner not being there. Zim likes to and has frequently and successfully relied on a veteran player at that position to sort of help him out, right, and echo his thoughts. Um, That's what I don't get about this because now it's going to be essentially coaching. But I look around, I mean, Mike Hughes might be a nice player, but... He's in no position, I don't think, to take guys aside, right, and try and, yeah. and, and, and help. So this sort of flies in the face of what Mike likes, which is why I'm really surprised that he doesn't have a veteran there to at least sort of emphasize his points.
0: Yeah, I think that I still don't rule it out that they'll sign somebody. Um you know, obviously there's, there's been kind of like the holdup with Dalvin Cook's contract situation. I think that that's why they held off on, you know, signing a bigger name defensive tackle outside of the PJ Hall trade that fell through. Um, And same thing with cornerback. I mean, there are a lot that are still there on the open market that could potentially, you know, come in here. I think, you know, Logan Ryan's still out there. Drake Kirkpatrick's still out there. Akeem Talib's still out there. Like there's, there's veteran guys who, you know, could either fit into the scheme quickly or learn it pretty fast because they've been, they've played for multiple teams that I think would be a decent fit because you really, you're right. Mike Hughes has like 20 NFL career yeah, games. Yeah, he's not in a that, That's not a veteran. Like, I mean, he missed a lot of time because of, I mean, he would be more, I guess, in the veteran status, had he not missed all that time with, you know, the ACL injury. I'm coming back from that, but nonetheless, he's still a third year player. That's like, hardly a veteran at that that point in my opinion you're still kind of like coming into your own so you have a new defensive backs coach it's not jerry gray anymore so it's like okay how's that going to work out this is going to be mike zimmer's first time coaching with durante jones out there how does that dynamic look like um you know clearly it's going to be the biggest focus just because there's so much newness all around it
2: yeah now on on this group of guys that um is still Unsigned. And, you know, Clowney, um, Mm -hmm. Ryan, as you said, help me out here. All right. These guys are are on the market and have been for months now. Griffin just got a one-year, I I believe, what, three-mil base, six-mil total deal from Dallas. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's very, very clear what the price point is going to be. And, unfortunately, unless these guys elect to opt out, it's going to be dirt cheap. All right? Yeah. So what's the what's the tipping point here for them to sign now? Are are they hoping desperately that guys get hurt during the course of training camp and the teams go into panics? I I just it seems to me that if you're a team like the Vikings and you say say to yourself we are competitive, we might not be great but we're definitely competitive yeah. and we could use help here, now is the time to strike because Griffin who's a good player still. He set a market that to me you, you go to players now and say, "Look, buddy, we'll pay you" Our defense is good. You'll play for a good coach and you could get a multi-year contract elsewhere, but your starting point is you have to sign. And by the way, if you sign with the Bengals, you're probably screwed. Yeah. So don't be dumb here. I, I just, no. I, I guess I don't get what the, what the pause continues to be for this group of guys who has not signed yet.
0: Well, I think there's, you know, with, with guys like Clowney, um, you know, his price point was a like, probably is the highest of any defensive lineman that was still out there on the open market. So, yes it dropped since march but in that same breath i think that a guy like that might be okay sitting out this season um and not not signing because he's like i know my worth i know my value i'm still under 30 at this point like i'll be okay sitting out a year cuz i know i'll make bank in 2021 um someone like everson griffin though is going to be 32 this this fall or this december i think that you know, he was in a position too, where we find out at the very end that like, you know, the Vikings were still pushing to get him back. Like they, you know, I don't know if, if they're ready to go fully turn over the reins to a Fadio Denable if you could have Everson Griffin, but now, I mean, they have no choice. So um, the way that that panned out did not really surprise me. It was kind of surprising that it was Dallas, uh, not Seattle, but like, nonetheless, like for Everson to move on and still get paid elsewhere, I think is, You know, a guy like that who's at that age, um, you know, still wants to play. I think it's more important at 32 that you probably do it versus like 28, 27. Um, But like you were saying, I think that now guys are probably going to wait it out and say, hey, my leverage will be if they lose their starting right tackle. If they lose their, you know, starting corner, starting nickel corner, then I can drive my own price up because they're going to be so desperate. So they're probably going to wait, wait it out to see, you know, what are the injuries that come out of this first wave of training camp pads go on. For most teams, I think on Monday we'll see our first padded practice, and from there, it's like, okay, who's dropped? Who who's hurt? Who's not going to be able to play for a while? And then you're going to start to see probably this rash of signings. I mean, but the Vikings still very much have needs uh, that could be filled pretty easily I would think by some veteran players so I think that that's something that you should look forward to like um, if you're Minnesota like okay there's still guys out there it's not the market's completely picked over like especially at the cornerback and the defensive line the interior Um, there still are guys out there. It's just a matter of how do you want to spend and do you, you know, what does the market look like a week from now after, um, you know, inevitably somebody gets hurt.
1: So Courtney, I think you bring up a and I think because the Vikings have such a shortage of established players now along the defensive line and Griffin went to Dallas, like we talked Mm -hmm. about, I feel like he has become a big camp story all of a sudden. And the thing I'm most curious about pro football focus, he played, about forty percent of the snaps that Everson Griffin mm-hmm. played last year off the edge, he had seven sacks. Griffin had nine. So if you just look at sack totals, oh wow, it's great. Odenebo's got seven, and Griffin had nine, and Odenebo played half the snaps. Just put him in there; he's gonna have fifteen sacks. But the gotta hur-
0: realize yeah, when he was playing too, so and who he was playing against.
1: Correct, and the hurries are very, very different. Mm-hmm. So this is this is one of the most amazing stats I think of last year. If you're a football nerd, Odenebo had seven sacks and eleven hurries. Which is, a, which is a ridiculous, probably completely um, irreplicable percentage. Griffin had nine sacks and 43 hurries, and Daniil Hunter had 15 sacks and 62 hurries. Adenabo got home a lot more often per hurry than mm-hmm. the other guys did. I don't think that's sustainable. I'm wondering, what does the team think about Adenabo? Is he a guy that you plug in there for 800 snaps and, and replaces Everson Griffin?
0: Yeah. I mean, he, he's been preparing for that role. And I think that they, they too have been preparing for him to take over uh, at right defensive end. I mean, Andre Patterson was adamant last week. He's not going to move to Hunter over from left defensive end. That's where he's thrived. I mean, typically you see your number one pass rusher over at the right defensive end spot, but that's just not what Dre wants to do. And um, I think you can't really fault him for that because Daniil Hunter off the left side, got, was the fastest to 50 sacks ever in the NFL. Like don't, get off a winning horse, but you know, can't like, you know, we know that Hunter is going to be doubled on the other side. Like that's just inevitable. Like, they chip him, they, you know, put a stuff sometimes stick a tight end on him, which is a dumb idea, but nonetheless, he's going to receive more of the detention. So what is that going to free up Odenebo to do? And I think they really like the fact that he's an inside outside player. Like you have to remember he came in, he came into here, into Minnesota in 17 and they tried to make him a three technique. Um, which obviously did not pan out, but I think that that experience of rushing inside and outside, and sometimes how they used him and Stephen Weatherly last year as rotational rushers, and sometimes putting them on inside, could help him. Um, like he's still, you know, he's, he's like Griffin. He's you know a hand, hand in the dirt type player. Um, he's not a stand up end, but I think there is a lot that you can infer just from what he said this spring about being conditioned to play anywhere from forty to sixty snaps a game um and that he wanted to kind of hit his peak conditioning now because he knows kind of he got to be an understudy forever of everson for a few years and see kind of how that whole thing worked and i think he's probably their best option there um you can also bring up the argument which i just don't believe is going to happen just from conversations i've had of okay everson griffin's gone because i we did the same freaking story a year ago when we thought he wasn't going to be here in 2019 (laughs) Um, you know when they were you know bringing Barr back, and then they like you know ever since at the last minute like you know restructured the contract. It's like okay, is Anthony Barr going to be more of a pass rusher this year? And you think oh Dom Capers is here? They ran a lot of three four when Dom Capers was a defensive coordinator in um, Green Bay, and maybe that you'll want to use linebackers differently in more of a you know an outside linebacker edge rusher role. I don't see it happening. I really don't. And, like, there's just kind of reason to believe that, you know, Anthony's good at what he's good at. And, like, they've tried this song and dance before. If he's going to be an edge rusher, he's going to work more off the edge. I don't see it. So I honestly think that that will be Odenebo's role um, with the occasional Anthony Barr appearance, um, you know, on third down. But, you know, they've got some young edge rushers, too, that they're excited about. So we'll see kind of how they fit into the mix, too.
2: Let's talk about pandemic possibilities at quarterback. Okay, this is okay. going to be fun. This is going
1: to be fun. So if that, if, if, if if there's an Iowa, is it Nate Stanley? If this yes. I, if this Iowa yes, guy is. is starting in week five, no, I'm out. I don't want to talk. Cancel the season. I don't want to talk about
2: cousins. I don't even want to okay. discuss Mannion. I want to discuss Courtney. What is your expectation for the work? And I'm not joking here. That's going to need to be done with a potential third QB. Yeah. in case. Because, you know, ordinarily, that guy's going to get no snaps, right? Yeah, No attention. But
0: play in the fourth preseason game, might,
2: and that's it. Might get cut, practice squad. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your expectation? Because this is one place, you know, if the O-line gets this thing, COVID-19, quarterback yeah. can too. What's your expectation for the approach that, that smart teams are going to take to the third qu- uh, quarterback as just a last resort oh my God, Cousins and Mannion are sick, and now yeah. Jake Browning has to play. Your thoughts?
0: I I think honestly, <laughs> just given what the practice squad has expanded to, I believe it's sixteen now. Um, and some of like the rules about like being able to call up guys, you know, some of the emergency things ninety minutes before games. I think you're going to see quarterbacks keep, or, excuse me, teams keep more quarterbacks around. Um, and just stash him on the practice squad it would not surprise me if both Jake Browning and Nate Stanley end up on the practice squad and they keep Mannion and Cousins uh they don't need more than two on the active roster if you can keep them on the practice squad call them up when you need to as an emergency um, so that to me is probably the safest bet that you're gonna see teams keep three or four because like you said if you lose your quarterback you know, there's no more of a there's no bigger of a next man up type situation than having somebody be able to step in and run your offense and, and at least do it in a way that, you know, doesn't look like case keenum week two of the 2017 season in Pittsburgh. Looks, you know, a little bit better than that. Um, but you want a situation where you have a case keenum like performance against Tampa Bay that following week. So you want somebody who knows the offense, is confident, you know, being if you need them in a game manager role, sure. I mean, if it has to be for like one week just be able to get by um, I think is really important. And also with the quarterbacks, something that's kind of interesting that Cincinnati was doing um, at the start of camp, like, or when they started doing walkthrough, they were quarantining the quarterbacks throughout the building. So like you're in one room, you're in the other room. Um, I think Brandon Allen had like just signed and like, he wasn't allowed to be near the other quarterbacks at practice. So they've done, they did a really good job of spreading those guys out. And like, I asked Gary Kubiak if they were doing that here and it didn't sound like it was a similar situation, but I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, if they go all virtual meetings with the quarterback room and like, you know, if guys are spread a little bit more spread out at practice because that's just one position you can't afford to, you know, play with that much with the COVID thing because one of those guys, if Kirk goes down for and he has to miss like a week, you know, you're putting the faith of your franchise in Sean Mannion. You're hoping he's going to be able to at least like orchestrate the offense and. You know, in emergency fashion, we'll call
1: it that. Boy, yeah, the you want to see the NFL look like the XFL have ten have ten of the league's top twenty quarterbacks catch COVID and get quarantined. Wow. Nate Stanley
2: weeks. starting oh, for the God. Vikings.
1: So, all right, well, that's a wrap on this episode. I just want to also shout out two things. By the time a lot of you are watching this or listening to this. There also may be the full-on official Mr. Mankato odds episode out as well. And if not, look for it shortly. But I know right now on ScoreNorth.com, Chris Long has put together a 5,000-word manifesto (laughs) ranking all of the Mr. Mankato candidates 1 through 25 or whatever the hell it is. So go check that out on ScoreNorth.com. And uh, you can always subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple, Spotify, and Scornorth.com. And give us a subscription if you like the show on YouTube.com slash Scornorth. Cronin, Zolgad, Mackie, Declan, thanks for hanging out with us. (laughs)